Welcome to another inspirational message from Bridge Church Melbourne. 1 Peter 4 verse 10 to 11, it says this, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks the very oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to Him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Now, when I was an adolescent, um, I did everything I could to avoid being in ministry. And you better believe that. I, I am a reluctant minister. And I'm sure that there's many people in this room that can identify with that. I had a real fear about answering the call of God and what that could look like. And, and little did I know that God actually, His plans are actually to bless me and not to harm me, but to give me a hope and a future. I hadn't caught that revelation. And so I was more like the prophet Jonah that was on a boat to Nineveh then I was the Apostle Paul with all sorts of zeal wanting to follow Jesus. And I loved God, but unfortunately, some of the dynamics of the church I grew up in and the environment and how ministry was presented to me, even though I honoured and loved and respected my parents as pastors and the men and women of God around me, the picture that I saw of ministry was something I was very reluctant to be a part of. And so no matter how much encouragement or opportunities came my way, I did all that I could to try and avoid it. And there were two primary reasons for that. One is I was insecure in my identity and that insecurity actually blinded me to the gift that God had given to me. When you are searching for identity in the things of the world, you're often blinded to the graces and gifts that God has given to you in your life that are staring right in front of you in your face. And many of us have talents and abilities and giftings that we sort of diminish or don't really appreciate or understand because we're searching for identity in the eyes of the world rather than living for the applause of one person, and that's Jesus. The second reason why I was reluctant to participate in my ministry that God had called me to is because I failed to realise that every single believer is called to ministry, not just those who may minister or preach or lead worship on the platform. And I want to speak about that a little bit more in a moment, but I can still remember when my obedience finally caught up to the will of God and I accepted an invitation to preach uh, at a service, a group of young adults, about 100 young men and women, and I preached for an hour. Poor people was, you know, under sufferance. And uh, I had 11 pages of notes and, and I'm, if I'm going to do this, let's do it properly. And so now I'm lucky to bring one page into the pulpit. But back then it was like everything was all outlined. And at the end of the hour, God showed up in an amazing way. And if I could repeat it every time, I would. But there was a sovereign move of God's spirit. And people were being set free from demonic Spirits. There were people receiving prophecies and falling out under the power of God. People were encountering God when they walked into the foyer of the church, let alone uh, at the altar. And I was simply responding out of pure spiritual instinct. It was such a wonderful moment that when I sat down in my chair at the end of that service, I said, God, if this is ministry, if this is what you've been calling me to, what you have for me, I want to do this for the rest of my life. 
And it's so important that you understand that as a body of Christ, many of us love God, but we're actually reluctant to engage in the one ministry that God has for us because we wrongly believe that only a select few are called to ministry. We think that only the person with the microphone up the front or only the people on platform actually leading in worship are engaged in ministry. But the Apostle Peter in this passage says, as each of us has received a gift, that we are to use that. Implying that every believer, every part of the body of Christ, whether this is your first time or you've been a part of the life of the church for many years, every single one of us have been given at least one spiritual gift and have been given a calling to ministry. And the Bible says in Romans eleven twenty nine 29, that the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable, meaning they're without repentance. God is not going to call them back. Once you're gifted and once you're called and anointed, you have the grace, you have the ability, you have what it takes to live out that calling. One of the preeminent doctrines in the Word of God, particularly in the New Covenant, is a doctrine or a teaching called the priesthood of all believers. And this doctrine says that every believer is responsible to minister to other believers. It's not just a few ministering to the masses. It's actually all of us participating with our gifts and our calling in the ministry that God's given to us to serve each other and be a blessing to each other. This comes from 1 Peter 2.9, where it says, You are a chosen race, speaking of us as the church, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for His own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvellous light. Now, less than 1% of a congregation will ever serve on a church staff, let alone on the platform, but over 100% of us are called to full-time ministry. And to be honest with you, in a Western context, as a leader and as your spiritual leader, this can be really challenging to try and get across and communicate God's heart that it isn't just a few or 20% serving the 80%, but that is 100% of us are all called to play our part. We're all called to play a role. We're all called to contribute in some capacity. And sometimes because of the busyness of life, sometimes because of ignorance of what our gift actually is, sometimes because we don't understand that we've been called and we've been gifted, we can almost sideline ourselves or exclude ourselves from what God has called every single one of us to. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, we read about the fivefold ministry gifts, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. These gifts represent the fivefold office of Christ when He walked the earth. The Bible says when Christ ascended, His gifts descended in the form of people, meaning that spiritual gifts, uh, when it comes to the fivefold ministry, are actually people. People are the gift to the body of Christ not just separate gifts like a book or a gift that you would give at Christmas time. And so what happens is, is that these gifted people are given to the church to empower and equip the wider church for the work of their ministry. 
So part of my role as an apostolic graced ministry, one of the fivefold, is to equip you and empower you to fulfil your calling. It's to help you understand what your gifting is. It's to help inspire and articulate and empower you through the grace of God on my life for you to live out your destiny and to fulfil the call of God that's upon you. And I've got to tell you that it's really challenging uh, in a Western context because our culture has almost hardwired us to think like consumers. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Everything in our culture is geared towards the customer experience, that the customer is always right. And so because we engage in goods and services and the transaction of that every day of our lives, cafe, retail, work, customers, clients, all that sort of thing, what we can do is we can actually bring that mindset into the church. We can bring that attitude and spirit into the kingdom of God where we think it's about us and our needs being served versus God, you've given me a gift and you've given me a calling to in fact serve others. Are you with me today? And the more that we can empower each other in the gifts and the call that God has placed upon our lives and we can plug that in to serving each other, the more that the body of Christ grows and matures to actually fulfil the purpose and the intention in God's heart for it. Every single believer in this room has a gift and a calling. It may be dormant right now. You may not have thought about it in this way. You may not even want to engage with it, but it doesn't change the truth and the reality that when God created you, He created you for a purpose and He put a gift in your life and He placed a calling to ministry upon your life. Now, in the Bible, in 1 Corinthians 12, when it talks about spiritual gifts, it talks about the different nature or, or distinctiveness of spiritual gifts. And it uses different Greek words for this. I'm just going to highlight two today because otherwise we'll be here till midnight tonight. But one of those Greek words is the word charisma, and it means freely given. In other words, it's saying that the gifts of the Spirit that God has given to you, you didn't earn, but God freely gave it to you. Meaning that you can't perform in good, with good behaviour and expect to earn more market share of the power of God. These gifts are freely given. I can't take pride in the gifts that God has given to me. Why? I didn't do anything to earn it. I've committed to develop it. I've committed to partner with it. But in fact, these gifts were freely given. Same is with you. God has gifted you freely. He has not looked at your performance in life and said, well, because you've performed, I'm going to give you this. No, he said, I love you. I've anointed you, I've empowered you, now here's a gift and I'm going to give you a calling to fulfil that complements the gifting I've given to you. Another Greek word that God gives us in 1 Corinthians 12 is the word phanerosis and it means revelation. It literally means that the gift that God has placed in you is a visible manifest picture of who God is. 
Now, at every Christmas time, we've got Christmas time coming up. My family and I put the tree up yesterday. And so it's always interesting when families come together to put the Christmas tree up because what was supposed to be an enjoyable, peaceful experience often turns into World War III. Um, but we had a great time, particularly Chelsea and I, getting all the Christmas lights messed up. And then when we switched the lights on, all of a sudden we realised that three quarters of the lights aren't working. And so we've got to start again. Fantastic. And so we just wasted a few uh, good hours of our life, but it was a fun experience all the same. This Christmas time, when you give a gift to someone, you don't literally give yourself, you give a gift. You give a book, you give a, a, a voucher, you, you give to someone an experience, you give them something that's an extension of your love, your care, your thoughts for them, but it's separate to who you are. That is not like your spiritual gifts. When God gives you a gift, He's giving you Himself. Hello, somebody. He literally is living in you by His Spirit. And the way that He manifests through you is through your gift. So right now, the Holy Spirit's living inside of me. He's given me a gift of teaching. What is He doing right now? He's teaching and preaching through Himself, manifesting out of my life. It's not my gift in operation. It's the Spirit of God expressing Himself through the gift. When God gives you a gift, He gives you a gift not for you to keep it dormant, for you to lock it up away and, and not let anybody see it. The Bible says that we're called to be the light of the world, not lights of the church. The Bible calls us to not hide our good deeds, but let the world see our good deeds. Why? Because when we function in the gifts and abilities that God has given to us, we are telling the world, this is who God is. He's powerful, He's loving, He cares for you, and He wants a relationship with you. God doesn't call you to something and leave out the gifting. Like sometimes on you know, some of these singing contests, people are passionate about singing. The only problem is God left out the gifting. Do you know, you know what I'm talking about, right? And, and the only person who's ever heard them sing is their mother for the last 10 years. And they've heard them, you know, through the bathroom door. And they're like, you, darling, you've got an amazing voice. When you sing Hero, Mariah Carey, it's amazing. The only problem is your mum's supposed to say that, right? That's what mums do. They just love you, you know, whether you sing bad or good and they're there to encourage you. But everyone else in life has a different perspective on your measure of grace and gifting. And so the dude turns up to the singing contest and the judges are under the table with their hands over their ears because someone's passionate about the gift. They just don't have the gift, all right? When God calls you to something, He doesn't leave out the gifting. I like to say it this way, with every appointing, there is an anointing. In other words, when God appoints you to something, He places the anointing of His Spirit upon your life. So that can give you confidence that if God has positioned you and appointed you to something, you don't need to get all insecure and get all worried about how it's going to happen and work and, and operate and what are people going to say. You can step into your platform of influence and ministry with confidence knowing that God has anointed you. 
that God has empowered you with the ministry and with the gifting to complement the ministry that's on your life. As you look back through the Bible in the Old Covenant, right through to the New Testament, you see that whenever God called someone, He complemented that calling with gifting. He comes to Moses and says to Moses, Moses, I want you to be a deliverer of my people and I'm going to anoint you and gift you with the working of miracles. He comes to other people like David and says, David, I'm going to call you to be king, but I'm going to actually anoint you with the gift of leadership and it's going to be expressed through worship and warfare. He comes to people like Esther And he says to Esther, I've called you to be queen and your natural talent is your beauty, but I'm going to anoint you and empower you with the gift of faith so that you can stand on behalf of your people. He comes to people like Daniel and says to Daniel, I'm going to call you to be an advisor to the king of Babylon, but I'm going to anoint you with wisdom to be able to administrate and administer my insight and my heart to the king of Babylon for the welfare of my people. He comes to Elijah and says, Elijah, you are a prophet. I've called you to be a prophet, but I am going to empower you and give you revelation and insight to know the secret things of God for you to fulfill your calling. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 12, 6, there are varieties of gifts, but it's the same God who empowers them all in everyone. How many of us know, doesn't matter what gift you have, the source, the originating force of that gift in your life is the presence and power of the Holy Spirit that's inside of you. God has given you a gift to complement your one ministry. How do you discover your gift? Well, often what we do is we say to people, fill out this spiritual gifts profile and whatever the survey results come back as, that's what your spiritual gift is. Can I say that while a spiritual gift profile might be helpful, that it actually is nowhere near as helpful as actually just starting to serve in the church and let your gift find you. I learned what my gifts were, not by filling out a spiritual gifts profile first. I learned by serving in the life of the church. I just got involved. I just started to serve. In fact, the Bible says in Romans 12, 6, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. And I've learned just practically in life, if you've ever been around someone or your own car has broken down, it's far easier to steer a moving vehicle than a stationary one. But many believers are stationary, paralysed, waiting for some magical moment where God is going to reveal to them what their gifts are rather than starting to serve and starting to move and let the gifts of the Holy Spirit actually bump into you. And before you know it, you'll collide into your destiny. I was... A teenager, when a worship leader asked me, hey, we've got a need in our worship team to serve and backing vocalists, would you come and serve? And then that need grew and I I learned more about the dynamics of worship and then I was asked to be a a worship leader. Oh yes, I'll have you know, I was a powerful worship leader, very powerful. And, uh, And so I led worship for seven years. Little did I know that that platform of worship leading was helping me understand the dynamics of ministering the Word to people on a platform. 
And then what began to happen is as I transitioned into more of a preaching ministry in between songs when I was leading, it turned from an exhortation into a mini sermon, into a full-blown sermon. And I remember after one Sunday, one of the uh, dear sisters of the church came up to me and rebuked me after one of the worship sets which often happens sometimes to all the worship leaders. I actually feel sorry for them because there's always someone telling them you should do this better and do that. And everyone's an armchair expert until they get on the platform and have to do it themselves. And so then what happens is, is that I'm there and, and this lady says to me, will you stop preaching in between the songs? I mean, you're there to lead the worship, not to preach to us. And I thought, how dare she? That is so hurtful. And I went back home and I said to dad, my dad's a pastor, I said, can you believe what sister so-and-so said about my worship leading that I'm preaching to? And in fact, he looked at me and he smiled. He said, I've noticed that actually. (laughs) He said, I actually think you are transitioning more into what God has actually gifted you and called you to. You see, it didn't just decide one day, oh, I want to do this for a living or I want to lead a church. I went on a journey of serving the need that was in front of me. And out of serving the need in front of me, I bumped into my destiny. Some of us are waiting for our destiny to bump into us. No, I'm telling you, start serving and your destiny will find you. Get involved, get engaged, start to participate. And not only will you know real quickly what your gifts are, but you'll start to discover your gift is the key to your ministry and to your destiny. Spend less time searching for your gift and more time serving the need that's in front of you. If someone around you is sick, do what the Bible says, lay hands upon them and pray for them. If someone is discouraged, take them out for a coffee, listen to their need and what's causing them discouragement and give them the encouragement that you feel to give them. If someone's struggling in their finances, don't just acknowledge it and say, be blessed, have a good life. Actually step out in faith and give generously to them. This is how you discover what your gifts are, is you meet practical needs in people's life. If someone is confused about something that the Bible teaches, and maybe you're confused too, go and study your Bible Ask some of the team to help you or your life group leader. Sit down with them again over a coffee because all good ministry happens over coffee, right? And then open your Bible and go through the Scriptures and help them to understand what the Scriptures teach. If someone needs to be served practically in a practical area of their life, moving house or something is going on in their life, just go and serve them practically. You might bump into your gift. You might actually discover what it is that God has called you to. If you find a hurt and heal it, look for a need and meet it, your gift will take care of itself. And I've learned that your gift is discovered at the point of someone's need more so than it is discovered in a spiritual gifts profile. Do the profile, learn as much as you can, but I'm telling you the quickest way, the best way is to actually start serving and let your gift find you. As you discover the gift that God's given to you, I wanna encourage you to use your gift to serve one another, not yourself. We live in a very self-serving culture. And we live in a culture that's very career-focused. In other words, I'm gonna study this degree, or I'm gonna get this qualification in order to get more for myself. 
so that I can get that job, I can get into that space, I can fulfill my dream, and I can get all of this for myself. A career is about what can I get for me. A calling is about what can I do for others. What can I do for others? And what can happen is in church life is that we bring a career mindset into a calling ecosystem. And we can apply this same mindset and heart that says, okay, uh, what can I get for me? Okay, the preacher's preaching today. What can I get for me? And whilst I'm here to feed you the Word and speak into your spirit and allow God to use me to equip you and empower you so that you can grow, I would encourage you to be thinking, how can I take what I'm hearing today and use that to be a blessing to somebody else? A career is about what can I get for me? A calling is about what can I do for others? And every single one of us in this room has been called by God. The Bible says in verse 10, as each of us have received a gift, use it to serve one another as stewards of God's varied grace. The gifts of the Spirit are not for personal admiration. They're not there so we can look in that metaphorical spiritual mirror and admire ourselves. The gifts are there for corporate edification. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 12, 7, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Meaning, what God manifests in me must edify others through me to people around about me. Years ago, I stopped asking my wife, how did I preach today? When I started my ministry, after we got married, how did I preach today? I stopped asking that question. One, because I generally didn't get the answer I wanted. I'm a words of affirmation person. So I'm, I'm looking for like, you know, oh, I just saw angels and fireworks and it was amazing, right? But instead I got, eh. And, and, but in seriousness, my wife is such a blessing and encouragement to me in my life and ministry. But it wasn't about my wife's response. It was actually, that's the wrong question. How did I do is a performance question. The better question is, was anybody helped? And when you turn your ministry and the gift that God's given to you in from how did I perform to was anybody helped, the gift actually starts to become ministry. You actually start to operate in the grace, the anointing and the call that God's always intended for you. Stop worrying about who's recognising your gift and be more concerned about who's receiving your ministry. And as you focus on who is receiving your ministry, your gift will take care of itself. Why? Because the book of Proverbs says, a person's gift makes room for them. Your gift will make room for you. The grace that's on your life, that God has placed upon your life, it'll make room for you. Just start serving. You'll bump into your gift. Then once you discover it, then start to use to serve others, not yourself. You know, in Israel, in the Middle East, there's this body of water called the Dead Sea. Most of us would have heard of this. But in the Dead Sea, life cannot be supported. That's why it's called the Dead Sea. And the reason is, is because the fresh water from the Jordan River that flows into the de uh, Dead Sea does not have an outlet. Nothing flows out of the Dead Sea. 
And so because of that, the salt concentration of the Dead Sea is eight times that of normal ocean water. Nothing can live in that level of salt concentration. It needs an outlet just as much as it has an inflow. I'm telling you, that'll preach right there for this point in my message. Why? Because God has not called you to be a container of His blessing. He's called you to be a conduit where His power, His love and His blessing flows through your life. You're supposed to be a river, not a dam that contains, but a river that flows. The Bible says out of your belly, out of your spirit will flow rivers of living water. Meaning the experience that I have with the Holy Spirit is to flow out of me into other people's lives. I'm to think more about how am I serving others around me rather than how am I being served. And, and you know, for me, people, you know, ministered all over the world and preached in stadiums and things and people go, aren't you nervous? And I say, no, why should I be nervous? All of those people. Yeah, but it's actually not about me. It's about serving them. So when you make it about the people that you're serving, you forget yourself. You've got no time to be nervous. And you just love people and you serve people. And I, I, I just feel the inspiration of the Spirit right now to, to, to exhort us and to encourage us Let's be a countercultural people. Let's be a kingdom minded, kingdom focused, kingdom oriented people. That the world that doesn't understand Jesus, the world that doesn't understand the Bible, the world that doesn't understand being married to one person for all of your life, the world that doesn't understand giving and tithing, they may not be able to understand a lot of things. But I pray that they will always understand that we are a giving, selfless, encouraging, kind, caring, compassionate, loving group of people. By this shall all people know that you are my disciples. What is it? That you have love for one another. You know how we demonstrate our love for one another? It's not just by a high five on Sunday and a hug. It's actually through serving each other. Serving the house. Serving God's kingdom, serving the church, getting beyond ourselves and thinking of how we can be a blessing to others. Matthew 21, Jesus cursed a fig tree. He was hungry. Although Jesus was fully and properly God, he was also fully and properly man. He got hungry just like you and I. He, he's looking for a cafe. There's no cafe in downtown Jerusalem. So he's like, okay, what's the nearest best thing? Fig tree. I see it. Let's go eat. A man's got to eat. Let's go. And so Jesus goes up to the fig tree, right? He's looking for fruit. You'd expect that a fig tree would have figs on it. But on this day, there's no fruit. There's no figs. There's only leaves. Apparently, Jesus is not so happy about this. And Jesus begins to get hangry and curses the fig tree. And Peter quotes the Snickers ad, Jesus, you're just not yourself when you're hungry, are you? And so Peter's like, what's the deal here? I mean, you just cursed a living, breathing thing. Shouldn't you hug that thing, not curse it? I mean, what's going on here? 
And Jesus is trying to help them understand a spiritual principle that every single one of us need to understand if we want to avoid barrenness in our life. And this is the principle. The reason the fig tree was cursed is because it was receiving life, but it wasn't passing it on. It was designed for fruitfulness. At the creation, in the creation account, God said, be fruitful and multiply. He said that not just to Adam and Eve, our original parents, He said it to creation itself. Everything in creation has been designed to be fruitful and multiply. Not just to receive life, but to pass life on. Sin that has entered into the human condition has caused brokenness to come into the creation account and has actually rendered many things that were meant to be creative, many things that were meant to be fruitful as being impotent, null and void. But because of Jesus Christ's sacrifice on the cross 2,000 years ago, conquering sin, Satan and death itself, three days later with the gift of the Holy Spirit, everything that isn't fruitful in Christ becomes fruitful in Jesus' Name. So if... This fig tree that was receiving life but not passing it on isn't going to do what it's designed to do. Jesus curses it. It withers away to its root. I just believe if God can get it through you, He can get it to you. Stop worrying about getting stuff to you. Just be concerned about getting it through you. Whether it's money, whether it's relationships, whether it's ministry, whether it's anything in your life. The moment you contain it is the moment the supply starts up, if there uh, shuts down. If there's no demand, there's no supply. There's going to be a demand upon the supply of heaven in order for there to be an outflow into other people's lives. Is this helping anyone today? The key to avoid barrenness in every single area of your life is keep passing on what God has given to you. The moment I receive anything in my life, I'm thinking about who can I give this away to? I'm amazed. It's not how much you know, it's what you do with what you've been given. I know some people that know a lot of things, more degrees than a thermometer, right? They know a lot of stuff. But there are other dudes who have no degrees and they're just pasting them. They're just showing them up. Why? Because it's not about how much you know. It's about what you do with what you know. Jesus didn't say greater knowledge than this will you know. He said greater works than these will you do. Now, if you don't have knowledge, you're going to suffer for it. But knowledge was never meant to be just a cerebral experience and it stay there. It was meant to be translated into action. And the Western church is more educated than we are obedient. So if you were to take 1% of what you heard today and plug it into action, just walk out there in the foyer today and say, how can I start serving? And do the first thing that comes to you, I guarantee within six months, you'll be walking in the fullness of your destiny. You watch, you watch. I used to think, "I'm, I'm waiting, I'm waiting for this great opportunity. I'm waiting, I'm waiting. God says, stop waiting, start serving. And as I served, a door opened, a door opened, a door opened. And God began to move. God began to work. God began to 
bring his plan into my life. You see, when we serve others through our one ministry, we actually bring glory to God. And the Apostle Peter says at the end of this passage, he says, in everything, with your gifts, whether it's to speak, whether it's to serve, whatever it is. And that was not a complete definitive description. It was examples. Whatever it is that you do, when we serve, it's all for the glory of Jesus. We're here to lift up the name of Jesus. You see, in Scripture, God gives us several metaphors for the church. One of those metaphors is as an army. The church is called to be an army as much as it's called to be another metaphor, a family, as much as it's called to be another metaphor, the body. Now, let's just look at the family for a second. In every family, in order for that family to have a well-being about it, in order for that family to function, operate, with a health about it, every family member has to contribute to the well-being of that family. The, the frustration of every parent is to try and help their maturing kids understand that you are a, supposed to be a contributing family member. So we clean up our dishes, we clean up after ourselves, we clean our rooms, we, you know, we do what we need to do. The list could go on, but we do what we need to do. Why? Because you're a part of the Turner household and you have a role to play and my job is to raise mighty men and women of God in the land who are going to take responsibility for their lives and their purpose and their destiny. Clean up your room, right? That's how it works, okay? Henristo, changing the world begins with changing your room. That's how it works. If you cannot bring dominion over your room, you'll never bring dominion over the enemy. I'm telling you, I'm, that is truth right there. My kids are here, so they're listening, right? So if the church is supposed to be a family and members of the family aren't contributing then the well-being of this family is compromised. If we don't all play our role, if we don't all play our part, the church as a family can't truly be covenant and can't grow. But we are a covenant family, which means we've all got a role to play to contribute to this house. The second metaphor is one of a body. 1 Corinthians 12 talks about this. We're one body made up of many parts. In the natural, if your heart decided to stop right now, it won't, and we believe it won't in Jesus' name. But if it did, your body is going to go into cardiac arrest. It's, it's going to be problems. Same with your brain or your mind. Any organ in your body that's not working properly actually weakens the capacity of your body to fully function. If we are a body in the supernatural if one part of the body isn't playing its part, then the body of Christ is compromised. How many of us know that whilst our hearts are not prominent, they are very much significant? Don't exclude yourself from ministry because you say, well, my gift isn't prominent. What can I offer? I'm not called to that on the platform. I don't do that, but that's not the point. Prominence in the kingdom of God does not equal significance. What is significant is just the fact that you're alive, 
You've been given a gift. You've been anointed for ministry and you have a part to play. That your significance comes from the fact that you and I are made in the image and likeness of God. Jesus Christ has lived, died and rose again. We now are restored into right relationship with God according to God's word and who God is. I and you, we are significant. I'm not searching for my significance on a platform. If I have to search for it on a platform, I shouldn't be on the platform. My significance was secured before I got on the platform. It's secured in my relationship with Jesus. Where do you find your significance from? You find it in your identity in Christ and your relationship with your Heavenly Father. And out of that significance, you discover whether it's prominent or whether it's behind the scenes. I'm going to serve. I'm going to take my gift. I'm going to connect to the ministry that God has called me to. And if I don't know what that is yet, guess what? I'm just going to start and I'm going to bump into it and I'm going to live out the destiny and life that God has called me to live. I want to encourage every single person in this room, if you're a follower of Jesus, not only is Jesus calling you to one devotion every single day, spending time with him to know him, but God has called you to one ministry, an area where your passion and your gifting collide and where you can serve the family of God, the body of Christ, and the world at large by advancing His kingdom. Thank you for joining us for this message today. It is an incredible privilege to share with you the Word of God, and we trust that you've been blessed by listening. We don't assume that every person listening has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so today we want to extend an invitation to you to begin the faith journey of following Jesus. The Bible teaches us every one of us have been created for relationship with God. Sin has separated every one of us from that relationship, but God has provided a solution in giving us His Son, Jesus Christ. John 3.16 tells us that for God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, so that whoever believes in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. You have an opportunity today to respond with a confession of faith and a decision to believe in Jesus. Today, we invite you to make a deliberate decision to invite Jesus Christ to be your personal Lord and Saviour. Romans 10.10 says that with our hearts we believe and are justified, and with our mouths we confess and we are saved. So right now, if you have faith in your heart and you're ready to make that decision, you can simply pray this prayer with me. Dear God, I thank you that you love me so much that you sent Jesus to die on the cross for me. Thank you that through his death and resurrection, I am forgiven of my sin to start a brand new life. Lord Jesus, I ask you to forgive me, cleanse me and to fill me with the power of your Holy Spirit. Today, I choose you as my Lord and Saviour and I thank you that I am now born again as a child of God. Amen. If you prayed that prayer today, we would love to know and we would love to help you in any way that we can. You can contact us on our Bridge Church website, bridgechurch.com, and we'd love to hear from you. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope you have been challenged and encouraged.